0: communion with God and with fellow Christians. Koinonia, an association of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is Koinonia. This is community. And now, your host, Tom Brown. I have some of my favorite people in studio today. We'll... uh, Uh, do some introductions and have some conversations about young people. You heard me talking about it yesterday, uh, what today's show is going to be about. So we'll get to it as quickly as possible. A few housekeeping uh, items, uh, as you may have heard or may not have heard, uh, I covet your prayers because uh, my uh, fitness goals for 2016 are, well, they're just crazy. Uh, The only way I make it is if uh, God intervenes. Uh, A thousand miles walking. 100 miles hiking, 250 miles biking. Now, that equals uh, two point something something miles a day and over 20 miles a week, et cetera, et cetera. I have the P.F. Chang half marathon this Sunday. And, uh, well, let's just say because of health reasons, I really haven't had a chance to train. So here's the goal. Get to the start line before they start and finish ahead of the sweeper truck. So if I get those two things done Sunday, we'll call it a victory, but I really could use your prayers. If you'd like to follow my uh, progress or be an accountability partner with me, uh, I'd really appreciate it. You can follow me on all social media at TomBrownAZ, no spaces, TomBrownAZ, 1,000 miles, and that's not a Fitbit thing. That's either uh, an event or training for the uh, event. It's not every step that I take. Uh, in the last, uh, well, since April of ninety or of two thousand thirteen, I walked nine hundred and thirty-three miles. So I'm planning, by God's intervention and divine inspiration, going to walk a thousand miles or run. Hopefully, I'll be doing a little running in there as well uh, this year. And uh, it, it's it's one of these things. Oh, it's easy to say, you know, two weeks into January, I'm going to do that. We'll see where I'm at at the end of March, say, or, you know, something like that. Uh, My uh, good friend, uh, Daryl Tupkin, was an inspiration for doing this. He did 1,000 miles last year. You know him from the 12Ks of Christmas and also the Kiss Me, I'm Irish, uh, irishrunaz.com. I will be uh, participating in that as well. But the P.F. Chang this weekend. If you think about it, Sunday morning on your way to church, just uh, send a prayer. I'd really, really appreciate it. And uh, it looks like the weather's going to be fabulous, so not too worried about that. Uh, next week, our uh, uh, Roe v. Uh, Wade, the 43rd anniversary, and there's a life rally in March. Excited about that. You heard lots about it yesterday. I'll probably mention it a couple of times day as well. There's also a Student Pro-Life Lobby Day at the Capitol Tuesday from 1030 to 215. Now it's free. Lunch is included if uh, you're a student and you want to participate. Right now the easiest way is for you to send me an email and I'll direct you to it directly. You need to register for this and I can get you tickets. They're free But send an email to tom at faithtalk1360.com. That's tom at faithtalk1360.com. And I, I know exactly what was going on in my life exactly three years ago, not necessarily by date of the calendar, but day of the week. Thursday, three years ago, do you remember? You know what you were doing exactly, right? Josiah, you know what you were doing exactly three years ago? On this Thursday before the P.F. Chang Rock and Roll Half Marathon? I believe we were meeting, Tom. You were getting ready for the weekend where I made my uh, first attendance to a Voices for the Voiceless event. You had already been on the air. This was the first time that I was going to come by. I had a little booth there. Got to meet a lot of young people, and it was awesome. But exactly three years ago today, on this day of the week, my back went out. My back went out, and yes, it was painful, and I still had the half marathon that Sunday, and all you guys were looking at me like I was crazy because I was out there in a brace and everything else, but uh, the voices for the voiceless, a lot of the team is here today. We're going to chat. Thanks for joining us. This is Koinonia on KPXQ. This is Quinn Ania. You're listening to Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. And uh, in studio, uh, some of the team from Voices for the Voiceless, Josiah Friedman. Uh, we met a little over three years ago. I think I've made that blatantly clear now. Uh, and I was excited. Uh, you and Paul came in, if I remember correctly. And Paul's dad was the chauffeur that day. And uh, Paul's dad has these awesome business cards that have a weird shape to them. So they always stick out. Uh, that's like I don't remember what's on the Business card, but I remember that for sure. All these little details that we remember, but here's here's the thing. I was struck by your heart, Josiah, and your team of young people for life, and how committed to the issue you were. I was immediately drawn to that. I was very excited, and then you guys asked me if I would pray uh, there, and that's just totally in my wheelhouse. I was so excited. And uh, three years hence, it's it's still going, still growing, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about this last year and the upcoming year, but Josiah, give me a little of your background and uh, just kind of uh, uh, voices for the voiceless uh, primer, if you would. Tom, well, we did meet three years ago, uh,
1: and uh, that was our first kind of big event as an organization. Uh, At Voices for the Voiceless, we have been doing uh, varied forms of what we're doing, kind of learning and learning. We started as a young group about six and a half years ago. I was 16 years old, started a pro-life group that met in my living room, and we did a lot of things. We led a prayer campaign out in front of an abortion clinic. Uh, We raised about $10,000 for the crisis pregnancy centers and slowly but surely uh, grew as an organization and then made the decision while uh, many of us were in college to become a 501c3 and to begin to take on some some bigger things so what began three years ago uh, when we first met has really grown um, into something that's pretty special our movement has grown the number of people that we have in our organization has grown uh, today at voices for the Voiceless um, every week we work with 22 uh, highly uh, highly proficient highly competent uh, dedicated staff who are young people. These are 20-somethings. Some of them are still in high school. Some of them have recently graduated college. These are people who understand how to reach their generation with a compassionate portrayal of the pro-life message and are getting it done.
0: And one of the things that uh, I've enjoyed uh, as I've watched you guys is that I get to learn a little bit about how to reach you as well, because I watch what you do and I see what really energizes. And uh, it, it's not necessarily that different than what would have energized me uh, as a young person. It's just there's so many more tools available now uh, through social media, just digital media of all sorts. But uh, this this thing of the life issue, uh, another thing that struck me, if you remember, uh, you guys were walking around the homeschool convention uh, with these t-shirts that had a You know, the most prominent feature of it was 78 percent, and I immediately knew what that meant. Uh, But it was also exciting that young people were identifying that as well. Tell me a little bit about that initial kernel uh, and, and just where all you've reached out for others to participate. Tom.
1: When we came up with that phrase, we are the 78%, we were addressing a cultural problem that's really prevalent around the country when we discussed the issue of abortion. Conversations about the abortion issue tend to center around women's health care choice and pragmatism. Uh, and those are not winning conversations for us. Those are assumptions that are made that kind of put the pro-life movement in an incorrect light. It doesn't truly showcase the uh, the compassionate reasons that we make our case for life uh, and, uh, and at the same time uh, make our case for the mother as well. We mm-hmm. knew we had to reshape the conversation with something that would resonate with our generation. And so we looked around to try to identify what messages there might exist uh, in order to resonate especially well. And, and we found this. Um, abortion in our generation um, changes what it means to be human. It denies the basic principle of equality in this way. And that Um, At the moment when we are equal in every way possible, some of us make it and some of us don't. And you got to look at this and say the devaluation of any human being no different than yourself is a devaluation of you. We knew that if we appealed to equality, Mm -hmm. a principle that every member of our generation likes to fight for, then we would be strong. So we went at it with this this message. 22% of our generation was aborted. We are the 78% and we will not be silent. We are no different than the 12,900 of our brothers and sisters in the state of Arizona who were aborted in in 2014. We're no different. And that makes us especially qualified. And uh, and it gives us a a real commission to speak up for the unborn.
0: And that's you, my audience, you can see why I was drawn uh, to this team so so clearly and so strongly because their ability to articulate Josiah um, 2015, it, it was uh, an interesting year. And I've been in this uh, this battle, if you will, to use a military term for a long, long time. Um, but, you know, it's, it's about love and grace is it, what motivates my heart. But 2015 was kind of an interesting year uh, in our society and in this area particularly. Yeah, Tom. Uh, in 2015, there were a lot of
1: things that happened. You take the uh, the videos that uncovered the injustice that was going on in Planned Parenthood clinics across the country. Again, mm-hmm. uh, you take the uh, the shooting that happened in a Planned Parenthood clinic uh, just just a few weeks ago. Uh, there was plenty to talk about, and at the same time, you take the fact that abortions are happening in the thousands every single day in this country. This is very possibly the biggest issue uh, in the United States of America right now. It affects and impacts every member of my generation in profound ways. Some ways that that are invisible, but mostly in ways that are not. We just haven't really been looking for them. Now, the encouraging thing is that the pro-life movement here is especially strong. Uh, You look at the education, religious, and legal arms of the pro-life movement. uh, Our partners uh, in this charge have been incredibly effective over the last year, passing laws, leading massive international prayer campaigns, and educating people about life in the womb. And for Voices for the Voiceless, that gave us an opportunity in 2015 to take advantage of something that we hadn't really seen before, this this cultural opportunity, an opportunity to take the advantage that was being created in all those realms and turn it into the transformation of a society. And how do you change the culture, but with one type of person? a person who makes culture. Mm -hmm. It sounds weird to say, but over the last year, Voices for the Voiceless has taken a new direction. We were creating a new movement. We were building what we call our community of creatives, people who were talented musicians, photographers, techies, and authors who we thought could tell stories so unique and so compelling that they could reach our generation with a pro life message like it had never been reached before, and that's what we've been working towards in 2015.
0: And I have seen uh, it on display. The talent—that's a given. I, I you know, it, it seems like a simple thing, but it is replete. Uh, the whole organization, uh, so many talented young people. But the thing that's uh, very powerful for me is it, it's as true today as it was for me 30. 40 years ago, the you can't change the conversation unless you control the lexicon. And you can't control the lexicon unless you're initiating the conversation. And the efforts that you're putting forth through, and we're going to talk about these exposures, unsung, and the narrative itself, you're controlling the conversation. You're starting the conversation in a way that it hasn't really been st- Started or dealt with in the past because I got to say, our our culture, we're not going to be able to legislate it into submission. We can improve it a lot with legislation, but we have to change the heart of the culture. And uh, I think that's really where you guys are truly effective. Uh, I believe that all our ills in society right now can, can be traced right back to the devaluing of life, and life has been devaluated. Uh, with slavery, with abortion, with uh, euthanasia, uh, because we don't value life, we don't value the opinions of others. we just assume that ours is the only right way to go. Uh, because we devalue life, we are in a situation where we don't value other people's possessions or their lives. In so many different ways. Uh, so it's all got to start there. We're not going to change uh, the hearts of America through the Supreme Court. It's really that simple. Tell us about some of these uh, wonderful projects. Let's start with exposures. Uh, tell us what it is, and then uh, we're going to get deep into it uh, in our next segment, but just kind of give me the 10,000-foot view. Here's where we
1: start, Tom. In the pro-life movement, often we have a cause to fight for, and that cause is very clear to us, but often we don't take the time to listen, to discover the messages that truly resonate with our generation. In our Exposures Project, we're bringing together really talented photojournalists to walk the streets of downtown Phoenix and soon all across the country and to ask people how they've been affected by abortion. Uh, It really is something that gives us a window into how people are processing this decision and gives us an opportunity to show compassion on the spot and then to create a compassionate conversation online. That's really what Exposures does. But, Tom, all of these projects really emanate from this starter question. What is a Christian to do? And a generation, I think, that most people feel is perhaps running further and further away from our values mm-hmm. what do we do in that case do we copy it and create our own subgenre I think as Christians we 've tried that uh, do we condemn it do we hide out do we uh, do we not drink uh, coffee unless it's Christian coffee and not watch you know movies unless they're Christian movies or is there a third option I think in John 17 Jesus says I do not ask that you take them out of the world talking about his disciples but that you keep them from the evil one as you sent me into the the world, so I have sent them into the world. There is a call to engage with the culture. And to do that, we have to tell a story, a different story. Christians have an opportunity to, to dominate that story and to, to decide what it means. At Voices for the Voiceless, we're bringing together a movement of musicians, photojournalists, filmmakers, comedians, chefs, artists, storytellers, the people who are making the world around us and determining how we think about the world around us. We call them our community of creatives, and Tom, we think they're going to change the world.
0: And I agree. And we're going to continue the conversation and meet some of these next. You're listening to Koinonia. This is Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Voices for the Voiceless on Koinonia today. Josiah Freeman, uh, thanks for not only coming in and uh, giving us a lot. It's like uh, we just had a fire hose segment there. I enjoy that a lot. Uh, But there's still a lot more to cover, and you brought some of the team members in as well. And I'm going to kind of give it to you now, let you get the ball rolling here, and then I'll play uh, listener advocate and uh, do my questions. But uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce our first guest.
1: Thanks, Tom. Uh, Our first guest here is somebody who uh, I actually sat down with and recruited a couple years ago. He's 19 years old. Uh, He's been a freelance photographer uh, for a number of years, incredibly talented at that, um, and phenomenal at teaching people how to do portrait photography. Uh, This is a guy who spends his time walking around urban areas, stopping random strangers, and asking them for their abortion stories. It is a daring thing to do and an incredible thing to do at the same time. He,
0: he spends time on the platform at the uh, light rail yeah. a, a, as an example, right? Absolutely. Wow. It's gutsy.
1: Yeah. And that's what Ryan has. He is the head of our Exposures Initiative, an innovative project dedicated to uh, changing the conversation about abortion in this country conducting one interview at a time and then putting it all over social media.
0: Before before you introduce him directly, I want to why is this particular project so important? Tom, it's important because as
1: pro-life people, we don't often take the time to fully digest why people make the decision to abort. And we often don't pay as much attention to people after they've made that decision. Mm -hmm. We don't have conversations with them in a compassionate and friendly way. Uh, Ryan's not having these conversations wearing a pro-life T-shirt. You know, he's going up as an honest and concerned individual who wants to hear a lot about somebody's personal uh, hurt and pain a lot Mm -hmm. of the time that they've never shared with anyone else. Um, This isn't an advocacy project as much as this is a
0: compassion project. Right, that's, that's where we're gonna start, changing the culture, having Absolutely. the conversation. Absolutely. All right, go ahead, sorry to interrupt.
1: So, uh, Ryan Marble uh, has done this for our organization. He's, uh, he's launched this initiative and taken the Exposures uh, project to where it is today, a project that has about nine photographers uh, that he has uh, trained and primed, ready to go uh,
0: for this project. Ryan, normally I would start off with why did you get interested in photography and cameras and all that? But I am so enthralled and, and fascinated uh, by what you do. And it's not just the idea, because I saw I was around when it was being presented as an idea. But what you've been able to do with it, the stories that have come out have been incredibly powerful. So thanks for joining us here uh, on Coinonia. Uh, what has been the most surprising thing? that you've come up on, you know, you had this idea, you you had the technical skills to do it, but what has been the most surprising thing that's happened, uh, in, in doing this project?
2: Well, hi, Tom. Thanks for having me on. Hi, mom. Um, (laughs) I think that, um, the most surprising thing has been just how willing people are to talk about this. Just a simple question we asked them, how have you been affected by abortion? And a lot of people will just open right up and they'll just talk to us about it. And um, sometimes they take a little, you know, a little, um, a little journalism training to kind of get deeper and uh, learn some more details about their story. But, but that I would say is the most surprising thing. And and
0: you're surprised that people are so open?
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, About something that in our culture, we, we don't really talk about it. Um, I feel like, yeah, I feel like we don't talk about it enough. And that's kind of one of the main reasons we do exposures is because, uh, you know, we, I feel like this issue needs to be talked about more and not just in terms of like Josiah was saying, women's health care and things like that, but uh, in the way that it actually affects people and how, you know, it affects our culture.
0: Ryan, I'm struck by the fact that that's how Jesus got into great teachings was asking mm-hmm. a question, having yeah. a conversation yeah, and, and listening that's another key point. If we can be pro-life, we can uh, be an uh, an advocate. We can be uh, all kinds of things, but if we don't have an open heart and ears to hear, we're not going to have much influence.
2: It's so true. Yeah,
0: it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. When you have these conversations uh, and you've you've asked that question and you know they start to open up. What happens then? I mean, what happens relationally? What happens, uh, what have you seen as far as people willingness to engage?
2: Um, Well, I love just getting to know people. That's just kind of something I really enjoy. Um, And it's remarkable how quickly you get to know someone when they're talking about this. Um, when I approach someone, I know pretty much like nothing about them, mm-hmm. and that's one of the intimidating things about this project: is you don't know who you're gonna, you know, who you're gonna get. Um, but once they open up and once they tell you about what they've gone through, um, it's just, it's just like such a, f- a flood of like, like just thoughts and emotions about these people of like. You know what they've gone through. You've I've heard some really some really hard stories, and um, hopefully, if we have some time, I'd like to share a few of them. Yeah, with you. we will. Um, but yeah, just the the like when you when you first talk to these people and they start telling you about about their lives, that's just it's just amazing to me.
0: The fact that they. Probably never had anybody so willing mm-hmm. to listen, mm-hmm. I think would be one of the kickers uh, let 's do a little nuts and bolts here you you, you approach them you ask that question uh, you ask them if if you can take if they're willing to converse uh, you try to get a portrait or some mm-hmm. type of photograph mm-hmm. of them as well uh, and now how's that all come together and how does that now become a, a piece to inspire others
2: um, good question so we we take all of the resources that we get while we're out on the street, the, the quotes and the stories and um, the photos. And then we have a team that will compile them and post them onto our social media pages. Um, our Instagram right now is what we're kind of our main, our main thing. Um, that's at Exposures Project, um, if you're on Instagram. And we'll post those um, and we'll also put them on our blog as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Let's uh, hear some of those stories. I've I've read a lot of them. I know I, I've have favorites, and there are some that I, I look at the picture obviously before I do any reading, and the number of times I've been surprised by the story, uh, is it, it's frequent. It, mm. it, it's frequent. But mm-hmm. uh, give us some of your stories.
2: So um, there's one that I just had recently that um, hasn't been posted yet, and it's one of my favorites. Um, we were talking to, um, two people on, um, it was at Tempe Town Lake, and I was like, you know, it was, it was kind of like, like, when I was thinking if I should approach them or not, I was kind of like, you know what, uh, let's give it a try, like, we'll see where this goes, and honestly, it was probably, I'd say, one of the best conversations I've ever had doing the Exposures Project. Um, the, the lady that we talked to, her name was Sabrina, um, or I'm sorry, Serena, and, um she was telling us about her her teen pregnancy and how she was a teen mom, and she had a lot of great things to say um, regarding just how I think a lot of people, when they get in that situation of being uh, pregnant when they're a teen, they think about, um, you know, how this is going to hold them back, how this is going to... Um, mess with their life plan and Mm -hmm. she she said basically it will mess with your life plan but it will mess with it for the better she was really improved as a person because of her son his name was dominic he's 12 now i believe Mm. and um i'm really excited for this one to go onto the blog if you guys um follow it if you have an instagram and stay posted uh you'll see that pretty shortly
0: exposures project yes sir on instagram
2: on instagram
0: all right do you have another story you want to share
2: I do. Uh this one I'm going to read off of the blog. Let's see here. It's about um it's about a girl that we met on Mill Avenue um and her pregnancy situation. This is uh this is a sad story, but it is it's one that has impacted me the most. Um just talking to her, I was This is kind of what I was talking about earlier when I said just like getting to know these people and them opening up about these situations and you learn so much about them in such a short time. Uh, So I'm going to read this right here. Um, She said, I had an abortion about two years ago. I had just found out I was pregnant, so I told my boyfriend. When I told him, he forced me to get an abortion. His dad was a lawyer, and he said he would sue me if I didn't get rid of the baby. I was 19, nervous, and a lawsuit really scared me. I'm okay now. My mom and sister really helped me through it. And this, for me, was the kicker. After that, she said, wow... I've never talked about this before. Mm. And I think that that really sums up the power in this project is that these people haven't talked about this before. And not only are we affecting people on our blog getting to read these stories, but the people we actually talk to, we're getting them to to bring these memories back and think about them and realize that abortion really has affected them, whether it's themselves or a loved one.
0: I know there are many times you have conversations, oh, I had a cousin or I had uh, one of the more powerful ones early on was uh, the young man said, you know, that was my cousin. Mm-hmm. That, that would have been a cousin that I don't get to know. Yeah. And uh, it's those kind of conversations that are going to change the hearts and minds of the culture. Josiah, we have uh, just a, a couple of moments here before the break. But what is uh, your vision ultimately for the Exposures Project? You were very specific early on that this was a way to communicate in a non-confrontational way not just with these conversations at their inception, but, you know, as the wall of photos and quotes begins to build, you had a a particular thing that you thought it would influence in the culture. Tom, we
1: think it can change how people talk about the issue of abortion. And we think it can change specifically the starting question from should this be the woman's choice to how does abortion affect people in our generation? And we think if that question changes as we grow this project to have influence across the West Coast and on social media around the country, we think we can change how people talk about it and therefore the conclusions that they come to.
0: And it's really, really hard. And you know, this is an old adage, but it's really, really hard to hear someone's heart when you're screaming, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, uh, it's 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 physically and and you know, but it's it's not possible. So that's the reason we need a new approach. We need a different approach. Now that doesn't mean we're throwing out everything else that's going on. We have some of the greatest, like you said earlier, Josiah Alliance, defending freedom, Center for Arizona Policy, and I could go. The list goes on and on and on. But that's not the only battles that need to be fought. That's not the only place we need to take God's love. Into this conversation, into the lives of people. Uh, that's just one of the projects that Voices for the Voiceless has. We're going to uh, learn about another one as the conversation continues. You're listening to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360, KPXQ. All right, this is our final long segment, and I'm kind of going to get out of the way so that I don't uh, make us run out of time. This is Coin and EFA Talk 1360 KPXQ. Uh, much of the Voices for the Voiceless team is in studio. And uh, Josiah, I'm just going to kind of let you take this last segment so that you can get everybody in. Tom, thanks. I want to start with this.
1: Uh, over the last project, we talked about that uh, if you want to change hearts, you've got to hear them out. But sometimes you gotta sing it out in a way, and here's what I mean by that. Um, In in 1791, and a lot of people know the story of William Wilberforce, uh, who eventually abolished the slave trade in Great Britain. He and his political allies faced a huge setback as they pursued the abolition of the slave trade, and it was a political cause that would take a decade and a half longer to see results. So. In Stalemate, Wilberforce appealed to his friend Newton, who forwarded him to another friend, William Cooper, who most recognized as the most renowned British poet at the time. And he asked Cooper if Cooper would help. Cooper agreed, and he wrote a poem called The Negro's Complaint. It went like this. Fleecy locks and black complexion cannot forfeit nature's claim. Skins may differ, but affection dwells in white and black the same. For the first time, people all throughout the nation were hearing the story of slavery from the slave's perspective. And a year later, it was said that Cooper's poem had been set to music by the children and that they sung it in the streets. At Voices for the Voiceless, we believe that when it comes to the abortion issue, what's sung in the streets is just as important as what's decided in the Oval Office. That's why we started the Unsung Project. Now, I want to introduce our leader of this project. Her name is Elise Gilson. Uh, She's an incredibly talented uh, young musician, a master's student at ASU. Um, And uh, we were attracted to her to to ask her to lead this project uh, because of her musical background and because of her understanding at this one fundamental concept that you want to know who the people are who have the keys to unlocking cultural influence uh, today in this generation. They're musicians, They resonate with all of us in many different genres and ways. Elise is passionate about that, and she's taken charge. Uh, So, Elise, I want to start by asking you this question. Um, What drew you to this project in the first place?
3: Yeah, Josiah, I would say that I've always loved performance, and it's um, my preferred mode of communication. I think that a lot can be communicated through music that – Disarms your audience from any fear of propaganda it 's a very vulnerable way of presenting ideas and expressing yourself and so um, for as long as I can remember i 've sought ways to use music and i 'm a classical musician, so this is all music without words, but sought ways to use music in a way that can be significant in my world and and reach hearts in a way that um, uh, reach hearts intentionally so that was really what drew me to the unsung movement was that it was such an awesome way to get involved in the pro-life movement by using my favorite medium of communication so just seemed like a perfect fit and the timing was perfect and everything
1: now tell me about the unsung project a lot of listeners have never heard of this before what is it that you're doing and what are you excited about
3: yeah, so the the idea behind it is that the strongest cultural communicators that we have in this generation really are our music writers. And that's for a couple of reasons. One of them is, like I said, music in general has the ability to communicate in a way that a lot of art forms don't. It's uh, very appealing. And also, I think, especially in this generation, it is such a prevalent part of everyone's everyday life. It is the constant companion of everyone who has a smartphone and everyone who has an iPod. And it's a way of, um, and a constant advisor, too, really. The music that you choose to put on your phone and your iPod iPod can have a huge impact on your the way that you view life and other people and what you value and also the it can remind you of things about yourself that you didn't remember the things that you truly love the things that you connect with and the things you value so um, our idea behind unsung is to just raise up some really, really talented musicians and get, empower them to use their already excellent music as a way to communicate the value of life. And so what we're doing in the Phoenix area that I'm so excited about is just exploring different venues, networking with a ton of genres, which is great because it. I think that... Um, if I would describe this generation's musical taste, it would be wildly diverse. So I love that we have so many different options in, this, uh, in the Phoenix area. It's kind of a, a great hub for up-and-coming artists. So we are looking to commission sort of and uh, provide platforms for musicians who are passionate about the issue and who can speak eloquently on it and share from a p- compassionate perspective um, why they value life.
1: Amazing. Now, uh, I've got to see you begin work on this in some pretty incredible ways. Uh, Talk about what you did in 2015 uh, during the last few months that that you were on the team. And then uh, what are your plans moving forward for this next year?
3: Yeah. Okay. so I jumped on the team around October. And at that point, um, the existing Unsung team was working on putting together a concert at the Phoenix Art Walk, the First Friday Art Walk. And we partnered with Roosevelt Community Church, and they lent us their gorgeous lawn and stage so that we could have, we could be the very first presence at the art walk as people were getting off of public transportation. Uh, We were the first thing they saw, and we had a bunch of musicians out there, or um, I think we networked with three new ones that concert and had them perform an original work that they had written for our project, and then some of their own work too. So it was really a Great collaboration of a variety of styles and reached a diverse group of people. So that was, um, and we've done a couple of those concerts. That's been um, where we've found the most networking opportunities so far. And looking into the future, we're hoping this next year, especially to really explore all the venues that we can to get involved in the art scene in Phoenix area and Tucson and to just spread the word and find talent and provide opportunities for passionate musicians.
1: Elise. I'm really looking forward to everything that Unsung does uh, over the next year. I think we have an incredible opportunity at Voices for the Voiceless to change the culture through this project. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, I want to transition uh, to an obstacle, actually, that Voices for the Voiceless has faced uh, as we've created these projects in music and photojournalism, um, And that is uh, most people don't think of creatives mm-hmm. as some of the most effective advocates for life mm-hmm. in the world. And it's been uh, a challenge walking up to people and explaining that, you know what, our mission is to bring together a movement of artists and storytellers. Well, what do those types of people do and what do they really mean to our movement? It's been hard to capture that, but somebody who has captured it uh, with the Unheard podcast, and that is the name, I know you haven't heard it, the name is the Unheard podcast, is Jesse Friedman, uh, one of the, uh, I guess, budding stars. In our organization. He's an excellent communicator uh, and has begun speaking on the issue over this last year. Uh, he's just 17 years old. Uh, but with this podcast, he has begun to embark on something truly special, trying to get people who most people don't think of as effective advocates uh, to be seen in their true light. Jesse, how has that gone so far?
4: It is going uh, extremely well. It is truly a pleasure uh, to be the host of the Unheard podcast because I get to talk With this community of creatives, I get to talk with them every single week. I get to learn uh, what they enjoy and I get to learn what they do in this pro-life movement that's so valuable. And what has been consistently apparent to me is that God has blessed us with the people to make this happen. The community of creatives is talented. We have painters, we have spoken word artists, we have web designers, and it's, it's hard to imagine but with this community of creatives and the vision that God has given us at Voices for the Voiceless, it is possible we believe that abortion can truly end with the people that we have working at Voices for the Voiceless.
1: Now, tell me about some of the best interviews that you think you had so far and uh, kind of where you think you're going with this podcast moving forward. Who will be who will we be introduced to next?
4: So at the Unheard Podcast, I've had the opportunity to talk to All sorts of people in our organization, from uh, people from the narrative team, uh, which is a project you can find out more about on our website at VFTV.org, to members of the exposures team, uh, to photographers of our organization, to graphic designers. And all of these people have a message that they are trying to communicate. And it is amazing to see how they're putting that message to action in what they do. They are energized by what they do and energized by the pro-life movement to do everything they do for the glory of God and to accomplish something, the end of abortion, that is very hard to imagine uh, even being accomplished. And in the future, we're going to have more interviews like that. We're going to have possibly even uh, some celebrity-type figures to get their views on our organization and what we're doing here. It's going to be a really exciting year for the Unheard podcast.
1: Now, you wrote a speech this year, kind of your first speech. It was entitled Planned Parenthood, We Don't Need You. Mm -hmm. It went kind of viral. Uh, What was that about, and why do you think that was important?
4: The major premise of Planned Parenthood, We Don't Need You was that all of us have lost friends, and even for me, I've lost family members to the atrocity of abortion. And regardless of the circumstances in which those potential friends and family members were conceived, we have we have lost them. And the tragedy of abortion is that we will never know what we missed out on. There are people that we will never get to meet, that we would have gotten to meet had abortion never existed. These are people that could have been... Astronauts. These are people that could have been the next great musicians of our age, and we never get to meet them. And I I personally, I shy to think of the kind of world changers that my generation has lost that we will never, ever get to meet. And I think that's what people resonated with, that there are things about our world that they will never get to know that would have happened if all of those children had never been aborted.
1: Thanks, Jesse. You know, Tom, Elise, Ryan, and Jesse are some of the most creative, ambitious, and compelling messengers for the pro-life cause that I've ever met. And in 2016, we're going to empower them to take their message even farther.
0: Wow, I can't believe the hour is already over. Uh, This has been really special. I I really want to encourage you to get plugged in, to get involved. And uh, we'll give contact information for Voices for the Voiceless uh, when we return. But also I want to encourage you to join us for the rally a week from tomorrow. azliferally.org is where you can find out more information online and register for that. Uh, I'm going to be participating. Josiah is going to be participating. Everybody's going to be there. You need to be there too. All right? You're listening to Koinonia. This is Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. So much to get to, so little time. Josiah, thanks for you and your team being here today. Uh, Contact information, I know there's uh, a couple more things that you want to talk about, too. Thanks, Tom. I
1: want to talk about this. At Voices for the Voiceless, uh, we ask two questions before we go on any endeavor. That is, is it true? Is the message that we want to send true? But we don't stop there, because we ask this question, will it win? At Voices for the Voiceless, we're bringing together the community of creatives to communicate the pro life message in a winsome manner that can resonate with people who are on the complete other side of the worldview spectrum. Mm -hmm. We want them to see uh, the value of life uh, for what it truly is. We want them to capture a vision for our best future, which is a world where abortion doesn't happen. Uh, We want them to see that. If men, young men, take responsibility for their actions and if young women have courage and and they're strong, we're going to live in a better place. Mm. At Voices for the Voiceless, we need, uh, we need help. We need people to get behind our community of creatives, uh, to believe in us, to pray for us, uh, and to support us in a lot of other ways too. Uh, if you want to connect with us, you can go to www.vftv.org. That's vftv.org. Uh, or you can come to—we're uh, actually speaking on Sanctity of Life Sunday at Redemption Church in Tempe at the 9, 30, o'clock, and 5 o'clock services. We'd love to connect with you there. But get behind our community of creatives.
0: All right, Josiah, I'm going to have to have you back because I know we didn't cover everything that we need to cover. So we'll have you back. But uh, as I like to do, let's uh, close with prayer. Thanks, Tom. Father in heaven, I thank you uh,
1: for this opportunity. Lord God, I pray for my generation. Lord, that the pro-life message would resonate with each one of us in a particularly special way over this next year. Lord, that the things that we embark upon would be done with compassion, uh, would be done as you would do them. And, Father, that we would be able to win hearts and minds by your grace over this next year. Lord, we put it in your hands, Father, and we're here for you to engage with the culture around us. Give us a spirit of power and not of fear as we go about doing that. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Josiah team, everybody. Nice and loud. Thank you. Uh, and, uh, well, I don't know how I follow this up. Glad the show's over. All right. We'll see you tomorrow. This is Coinonea. You're listening to KPXQ. Mm-hmm.